Hi, this is Jonah Trebowasser, and welcome back to another edition of Radio Rotary. Each week, we chat with your neighbors about great things happening in your community and around the world. People applying Rotary's motto of service above self. And today, my two very special guests, we welcome back the very first two people we ever had on Radio Rotary here at Hudson Valley Talk Radio, past District Governors Jeffrey Keon and... James Yarmus. Jeffrey, welcome back to Radio Rotary. It's good to be back, and uh, this is one of the few p- places that I've ever been invited back to, and <laughs> I'm glad to be here. Well, we know that's not true, and Jim Yarmus, welcome <laughs> back. Dr. Jim? Thank you so much. Uh, th- there are some people surprised that Jeffrey and I are still friends because we spent so much time together, but I'm <laughs> glad to be back as well. And uh, we're delighted to have you back, and especially to talk about your adventure in Honduras, talking about and doing something about clean water. Um, Jim Yarmus, you're an engineer. Yes, sir. And uh, you are involved with something called Engineers Without Borders. Is that correct? Correct. Tell us a little bit what, about what that is. Okay. Well, I'm fortunate enough to be a mentor to the engineering students in my alma mater, City College of New York. And uh, we go um, usually once a year. Sometimes I end up in Honduras twice a year because I go with them and I go with Rotary. And uh, we uh, build latrines and we build uh, dams and we build water distribution systems and tanks and uh, chlorinators and all kinds of things too. Uh, So it's not just about water, it's also about sanitation and it's about access to water. Some communities don't have access to water, we have to start there. And before we find out what you did in Honduras with Jeffrey Keen, let's find out about Jeffrey's background a little bit, besides being an outstanding Rotarian and our past district governor, as you are, Jim. Jeffrey, you've been in the construction industry, have you not? I have been. I've dealt with uh, ready-mixed concrete. Right, and, uh, and, and has been very well respected in the industry. And, gentlemen, you took your talents and your uh, drive and your energy down to Honduras. Now, why did you do that, Jeffrey? What was in Honduras that you thought and Rotary thought needed some help? Well, for me, uh, I'm essentially a fundraiser, and I've been raising money for about 40 years or so. So part of my journey down there is to see where the money goes. We checked on a couple of projects that had taken place the year before, and we were also involved in in getting a project started, essentially around the issues of, of fresh water, both in a sink as, and also through uh, the establishment of latrines, things that we take for granted, but uh, for many people in Honduras, it's a a major, major uh, step forward. And how did Rotary get involved with this? Well, uh, basically through the uh, different Rotary clubs, the first time I went, I went as a substitute for someone who couldn't go, and it was uh, in, uh, we were working in conjunction with Pure Water for the World. And basically with our programs, we always work through the local Rotary Club that's down there. So uh, Rotary has now focused on six major areas, and water, clean water, is is one of them. I know. uh, Many people, of course, are familiar with our fight against polio, especially with our matching grant from uh, Bill Gates of Microsoft fame. But... um, I know our upcoming district governor, who I know you both are mentoring, Tansip Durawala, refers to himself as the water boy. He's going to be pushing clean water as an initiative uh, in his upcoming term. And as is Rotary International, because they figure once polio is conquered, and it will be conquered probably within the next decade, we have to turn our energies to something new. And and tell us, Jim Yarmus, as an engineer, why is it so difficult to maintain clean water around the world? We're used to it here in in New York. We have wonderful reservoir systems. We have... uh, 
great piping. Why it's so difficult around the world to it's have an clean excellent water? Question. One of them uh, is uh, the fact that these are agricultural communities. They have two strikes uh, in this quest. One of them is that they are agricultural communities, and the other one is that they are poor communities, so they can barely afford the infrastructure. And even when they do, the infrastructure specifically provide a dam to accumulate bodies of water so that they have enough pressure at points high enough to send it down to the villages. In piping, uh, the water tends to get dirty, either along the way or before it got to the dam. I have witnessed um, bodies of water that have literally things that look like tiny little black fish, but they're insects, mm -hmm. and things that look like worms, and they are indeed some kind of parasites, some of them transparent, some of them uh, dark, and um, they're alive, and the people drink those terrible things, and they get sick. So we have an obligation to first, or at least we perceive it that way, to first deliver the water. Those are called water access projects, and then once it gets there, whether we get it from the sky through the systems that collect the water literally from the roofs uh, or we get it from a lake or we get it from a dam that we build or we get it from a body of water that happens to be going by the village. We want to help these people that are working so hard to get the water to their communities first get access to the water, a tap, or they call it in Spanish a pila, so once they have the water, we have to see to it that the water is clean because in many cases they cannot afford uh, central purification systems. The good work is that we're doing now is precisely setting it all up for good old Tansuk Rawala, who is a sweetheart. Uh, as he said, he calls himself the water boy. We're working on a project for four villages to have a central purification system. I believe from what I saw that most of them have essentially access to water already. So all we have to do is create a central point uh, where they can treat the water, and then they'll have the blessings that you and I have. They'll tapping, going to the tap and having water whenever they want. They may not have it every single day because it depends on the cycles of water supply. But at least when they open the faucet and take some water out, they don't have to expend their few resources to acquire clean water. Now, Jeffrey Keehan, um, I know from uh, our joint history in Rotary that yeah. uh, we have seen at Rotary conventions film, especially in India, of people using water where the same water supply is used for waste removal, is used for bathing, is used for animals to water themselves, and of course the animals relieve themselves. Uh, how bad a problem is that still around the world in, in your estimation? It's still bad. Uh, the, the estimate is at least one billion people do not have access to clean water, and I've seen estimates as high as two billion. But you talk about a film. I w when I was in Choloteca, I was in the back of a, a pickup truck, and we were crossing over a bridge, and for some reason, a small bridge, it was a small stream, and for some reason the driver stopped, and I looked up, way up the stream, and sure enough, there were two cows in the water. And then just to the right of where we're going over, there's a man in the brook with his pickup truck washing it. And just to the left, just a few feet away, is a woman uh, with her child bathing the child in the water. And then I turned around and walking up the hill is a young girl with a, a pail on her head with this very same water. So you have a situation where there's water, but it's, uh, it's not clean and it needs to be cleaned. 
And we've seen, have we not, uh, Jim Yarmus, uh, also uh, Rotary Films, of women in Africa who will walk tens of miles with water jugs on their head to bring water back to their family. We really are spoiled in the United States and, and places like Canada and, and Europe where it just comes out of a tap. No one knows. No one cares. It just keeps coming. Um, what about water supply? We've been talking about water purity, gentlemen, but what about water supply in arid nations? Is this something Rotary is helping with? Absolutely. We, we have uh, personally witnessed. My last trip for Rotary International was to the Dominican Republic, and I saw everything I had seen in Honduras, except that, fortunately, because the Dominican Republic is a little flatter and perhaps a little bit more accessible, we're actually delivering filters. Rotary International is with the aid of the United States Agency for International Development, with the aid of the Peace Corps, with the aid of a, an organization called Caritas, which is a, a Latin name for charity, and with a bunch of associations and everybody in the, God bless you, uh, everybody in the Dominican Republic will, God willing, have uh, access to pure water very soon. We do have to train them again every now and then because these systems, these biosand systems, uh, sometimes um, get contaminated uh, if, if they're not used properly. Uh, but we went to a village uh, in which the Peace Corps was working, and they didn't have water at the high elevations. So we built a tank, and we built a pumping station, and we went to a river that had reasonably clean water, pumped it up to the tank, and then distributed it to the people that didn't have it by gravity, and gave them each family a filter. So there are things you can engineer, and there are things your heart tells you to do, and we're doing them all. And, and we will learn about more of those in just a moment. But let me remind our listeners that they're in tune with Radio Rotary on Hudson Valley Talk Radio and around the world by podcast on iTunes and at www.radiorotary.org. My name is Jonah Trebois, and my co-host, the lovely Sarah O'Connell, is away this week, but we look forward to her return. And Radio Rotary is brought to us this week and every week by Rotary International, Rotary District 7210, and the Rotary Clubs of Arlington, Cairo, Chester, Chestnut Ridge, Congress Valley Cottage, Fishkill, Goshen, Highland, Highland Park, Kingston, and Kingston Sunrise. And we'll be back with more Radio Rotary after these important messages. In 1985, while polio was paralyzing 1,000 children a day, Rotary International committed to a goal, a goal of ending polio worldwide. Very soon now, after contributing nearly $600 million and immunizing over 2 billion children, the goal will be achieved. Eradicating polio worldwide. That is humanity in motion. That is Rotary. For information about Rotary in the Hudson Valley, visit www.rotarydistrict7210.org. The Millbrook Rotary invites you to their 7th annual New Year's Eve performance extravaganza on Friday, December 31st from 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. Franklin Avenue in Millbrook. Enjoy lots of alcohol-free entertainment for the entire family. Music of all kinds, a circus, puppets, and more. Fun for all ages. Donations accepted for lighted holiday buttons. For more information, visit www.millbrookrotary.org. That's www.millbrookrotary.org. Talkradio.com. Welcome back to Radio Rotary. My name's Jonah Trebois, and my co-host, the lovely Sarah O'Connell, is away this week, and we look forward to having her back. But I am compensated for that uh, missing Sarah by having two wonderful guests, outstanding Rotarians and both past district governors, Jeffrey Keehan and Dr. Jim Yarmus, who uh, happen to be, coincidentally, 
the first two guests we ever had on Radio Rotary right here on Hudson Valley Talk Radio, and we're just about at our 100th show, so we're delighted to have you back. It's sort of like an anniversary <laughs> celebration. Good to be back. And we're talking to both uh, uh, Jeffrey and Jim about their adventures in Honduras, their trip to Honduras to help Rotary deliver clean water to people less fortunate than we are. And um, Jeffrey, tell us from the very start, what was the Honduras trip like? Well, it was interesting in the sense that I had never, I'd traveled before, but I've always stayed at, uh, you know, hotels and stuff like that. And it allows you to really see how most of the people actually uh, live. And uh, what I noticed was that in bringing water back to the house, it was always the younger girls in the family that did this. And, and they brought it back in jugs. In jugs, yeah. carried on their heads, and that this was time that they couldn't spend in school. There was one case where this young girl had to walk literally an hour and a half. We took the same journey in a four-wheeled vehicle. It took us about 40 minutes. Uh, so that's three hours out of her day that she can't be in school, uh, she can't be learning uh, language or whatever else she needs to better herself. So there, there's another cost uh, beyond health concerns in the getting of water to people. We're 70% we're water, and uh, I think it's uh, we can go maybe 20 days or so without it, but it's uh, not a, a good thing. Now, um being in the construction industry and yeah. being one of uh, Rotary's outstanding fundraisers for all these good causes, you said you were, first went down to Honduras to see how the money was being spent. But when you once you got down there, I bet you got hands-on with some of these projects. Yeah, uh, we did, and uh, in, in actually looking at it and actually going in somebody's house and uh, seeing the pride of, of the, the father and the mother with this new device. And by the way, in order to put these filters into the house, the floor must be flat. And in one area that we were in, uh, the house, the floor was dirt. And so we had to pour concrete floor. And so, you know, just which is Which is what you did for a living. Yeah. But the, the interesting thing to me is, is that, you know, we have the McMansions up here. Right. But here were people bragging about... I'm getting up off the earth. I'm going to have a concrete floor. Wow. And this is like a major advance, uh, something that uh, we just sort of take for granted. But it's it's fascinating. And Dr. Jim Yarmus, who uh, not only is an engineer but teaches engineering at City College and, the ne and mentors the next generation of engineers, tell us about this water filter that Jeffrey was speaking about. I understand it's got a very simple design because obviously there's not a lot of like, electric power or uh, uh gasoline for generators, so we need a simple design. Tell us how it works. Yeah, I've been to many communities that don't even have electricity. So the way it works is that there is a, um, imagine um, uh, essentially square vat, about a foot and a half by a foot and a half, uh, about mm -hmm. three and a half feet tall. And um, the very first thing you do when you take the cover off, you see a perforated dish. The perforated dish is to slow down the speed of water when the folks take those jars of water, and they still have to use jars even if they're lucky enough to have a tap. Uh, a they pipe. have probably one central tap in the middle of the village that everyone they shares. Can, they have that, and in, they actually have village uh, villages in which everybody has a oh, pila. Okay. All right. So they take the water, they put it into a container, and then they have to pour it slowly at the beginning um, into this perforated dish. When it goes through that, it falls onto 
a fine sand. They, we call it a 200 sieve sand. It has 200 uh, holes in one square foot. And it, it, it falls on the sand, ideally not to disturb it too much, because on the top of the sand, what forms is a thin layer of about a sixteenth of an inch of bacteria that eats the bad bac- bacteria. Mm-hmm. The bad bacteria uh, then gets captured, and it gets digested, almost as if it was a sewage treatment plant. It gets digested, and then the cleaner water goes through the entire body of sand, and then through a medium-grade gravel, and then finally through through coarse gravel, when it gets to the bottom, there is enough of a head of pressure on that water that can be siphoned up to a level at which they can take the clean water and drink it. And it's 99% pure, if not better than well, that. That's, that's fabulous. Seems like a giant household Brita filter for those of us who yes. use that. And and we estimated, at least in, in uh, Choloteca, the cost of one of them would be $75. Um, and what Which it is re- not a lot for us, but probably no. is a considerable amount of money yes. for those people down and there. They, and they pay part of it. You know, uh-huh. They can't obviously afford, in a country where maybe you're making $2 a day, $75, right. but they do pay on a sliding scale. They're taught how to maintain it. And basically, this filter reproduces what uh, the people who are listening to this program now happens at their sewage treatment plant, only it costs... Uh, you know, maybe $30, $40 million, but it's a much uh, cheaper rendition, if you will. And it is important to note that they are basically creating five gallons maximum of clean water at a time. Mm-hmm. So essentially having a biosand filter at home means having the filter going all the time. Right. Because they cannot just use it or should not use it for just drinking. Right. They should use it for bathing, right. certainly for access to the parts of the body that are most accept- susceptible to infection. And, and we do, when we get, visit these houses, we do question the people, how they are using the water. We do inspect the filters to make sure that they're functioning as intended, that they don't have a little hole in the middle of the sand. I can look at a filter and tell you right away if it's working right or not based on the rate of flow of the filter by, by looking at the pipe through which the water goes out or by looking at the water itself. So these things are sustainable. They can be sustainable. And when they don't become sustainable, then we retrain the people. So that's all part of what Rotary is doing. Now let's talk about the other end of the spectrum, so to speak. Uh, We've talked about bringing clean water in. How about eliminating wastes, human waste and wastewater? What is Rotary doing about that? And what did you see happening in Honduras, Jeffrey? Well, uh Part, like I say, was inspecting latrines that had been built uh, in the previous year by engineers without borders. By and large, most were still functioning. One wasn't. There's there's always complications. Sometimes it's found that it was put uh, a little bit too close to the stream or something like that. but they do, uh, they do work, and the new project that we opened up in uh, Capiro is to bring... Uh, and Capiro was where, Jeffrey? Capiro's just out... Comayagua, uh, Comayagua. Four kilometers from Comayagua. In, which in is in the, nor- in the yeah. center of the country. Okay. Yes, in, in Honduras. And basically, for $3,500, we're bringing uh, a sink and a toilet to uh, 20 houses, whereas most of the people listening here know you can't redo <laughs> your bathroom for under $3,500. I, I can tell you that from <laughs> personal experience, because my wife first redid the kitchen and then the bathroom, yeah, and now yeah. she's painting the house. Yes. Uh, believe me, it's, it's, it's quite uh, extensive. So what yeah. you're doing on very little yes. uh, is just uh, fantastic work. 
And um, Jim, you were saying that uh, during the break that there are other projects besides the Clean Water Project that's going on that Rotary is sponsoring in Honduras and around the world. Tell us what you know about those. Okay. Well, one of them is indeed a water project, but I do believe like in the Capiro, the village of Capiro, we are bringing toilets and wash basins to each house that it is okay for these people to be living in the 21st century. It can't be that we only concentrate on creating latrines or giving water access. We can do it all. The only thing is we have to be even more passionate than we are and keep on working with monies that we don't have and build teams that will allow us to access the dollars that we need. By the way, we pay for our own trips and we do all of this work as volunteers, as do the children themselves, the so-called children, the students Mm -hmm. themselves. (laughs) Um, But the, the, um, the interesting part is that we located four villages very near where Engineers Without Borders is that basically have access to water. It's just not clean. And some of them don't even have filters. So what we would like to do is graduate them to the 21st century and put in um, uh, central filters. And we located a uh, company out of South Carolina that is basically an engineer-based uh, company uh, of, of Christian orientation, and they work with the local churches, and they work with local engineers, and they happen to have one of their main offices in Honduras. And uh, So I located an engineer by the name of Chacon, Hector Chacon, and he is designing, he's heading a team, and within 10 days or so, we should have the results of the engineering study, we've located the four churches in the four communities, we've created four patronatos, or organizations of local leaders, and we're basically ready. We just don't know exactly how much it'll cost or how much help we'll need, but we are working hard to establish those teams uh, so that we can fund these projects. And should it come to pass that between the clubs that have participated in previous projects, we don't have enough resources? Well, that's what we're setting up Tansuk for. And he will help <laughs> us either through the district or through Rotary International to fund it. Well, in the minute we have left, I know that you're both outstanding Rotarians, past district governors. You've been Rotarians for many years. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your clubs. Uh, Jeffrey, what club do you belong to? Uh, the Rotary Club of Pearl River. We're celebrating our 75th anniversary on December 12th. That's great. And when, when and where do you meet? We meet at the Greenhouse Cafe in Pearl River, New York. What And what day? Uh, today, actually. I'm go- <laughs> well, Thursdays? Yep, Thursdays. We tape on Thursdays. We uh, are yes. on Fridays. Uh, we meet on Thursday, and uh, it's a lunchtime club. All right. And Jim? Your club? I'm also a lunchtime club. It's the Rotary Club of Spring Valley. We meet at the Red Lobster on Route 59 in Spring Valley. Very community-oriented, and I've always said that you have to take care of your backyard first. It's not just about international work. So I was very, very impressed for many years. I was in another club that we should not mention for (laughs) a couple of dozen years first, and then I decided that that club is only writing checks, and and my heart called me out of it. What day of the week do you meet? We meet on Wednesdays, and, and uh, uh, it's a beautiful organization and you of gentlemen very caring are, people. You gentlemen invite all 50,000 of our listeners to lunch on, on your tab, right? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Well, uh, Jeffrey Keehan and Jim Yarmus, uh, thank you so much for joining us on Radio Rotary once again, and thanks for all the great work you're doing. Thank you. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, home for listening. We also want to thank the Rotary Clubs of Millbrook, Newburgh, New Paltz, New Windsor, Cornwell, North Rockland, Pleasant Valley, Port Jervis, Poughkeepsie, my home club of Red Hook. Hi, guys up there. Rhinebeck and Southern Ulster for bringing us Radio Rotary every week. 
For Sarah O'Connell, who we hope will be back next week, this is Jonah Trebowasser thanking you for tuning in and inviting you to join us every Friday morning at 9 for another edition of Radio Rotary right here on Hudson Valley Talk Radio. What would you do if a friend, coworker, or a loved one collapsed? Calling 911 alone will not be enough. Over 1,000 people a day die from sudden cardiac arrest. Many can be saved with early intervention. HealthSave offers CPR courses on a daily basis at our facility in Rockland County. We'll come to your home or business if you prefer. Call us toll-free at 877-277-6233. That's 877-277-6233. Or visit our website at healthsave.com. That's H-E-A-L-T-H-S-A-V.com. Leave the E off of save for emergencies. CPR training is for everyone. Learn CPR. Become a lifesaver. Hi, this is Sarah O'Connell. And this is Jonah Trebowasser. We're the hosts of Radio Rotary, heard Friday mornings at 9, right here on Hudson Valley Talk Radio. We have exciting news. We now have our very own website www.radiorotary.org Not only that, you can subscribe to our new podcasts on iTunes or on our new website. So click there today. That's www.radiorotary.org